0: Almost. almost, 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 major, major, I made the major, imagine,
1: major. Major. major, major,
0: major. Holy fucking shit! This is major.
2: Welcome to another episode of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they released. Today, we are talking about Chelsea Walls from 2002. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Charlie Nash. Hello. And Bryden Doyle. Hello. And returning guests, super special guests is Phil Lesko from PuckerCast. Like, it's 1999. How are you, sir? Good. Yeah. How? Mm-hmm. It's been five minutes. and be like, is, did something happen? Since, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah
3: no, no, Not much has happened on my end, but uh, still happy to be here.
1: Okay, cool. That's very uh, kind of you, considering that we made you watch Chelsea Walls, so <laughs> apologies. Yeah, I mean, listen. <laughs> it wasn't fun.
3: Um, it was... Uh, on top of like the film being a bit of a slog uh also technically frustrating as well in the sense that i had to airplay it off of my computer onto my tv and it you know that's how ethan already...
2: wants you to watch it actually yeah
3: this movie visually was already uh kind of dog shit <laughs> so then you blow it up onto my uh, this 4K. Bragging, but on my 75 <laughs> inch television it looked like fucking pixelated like you wouldn't believe so it oh, was man. uh yeah, it was it was not ideal I go to bed thinking about it, I wake up thinking about it. This place is supposed to be a hotel for us. I think I'm gonna be here for a while. I think about you sometimes when I
2: walk by. Well, I could come over sometime. Sure. You lie to me. I'm staying this time. We have some nice guests here.
3: Why do they call you Lorna Doon? Ain't that a cookie?
0: I do not need to be patronized like this.
2: Baby, if it's me or you, it's gotta be me. I want all the possibilities of you in writing. I want so much I'm breathless.
1: I have this reoccurring dream. It reminds me of you.
2: I'm not a real predicament. I'm scared of death to love. I just feel like I'm, you know, going nowhere fast. There's something beautiful about a man who loves too much. I want to be there, but I just can't. We were
3: older and we were happy. Why are you wasting your life away? And you know what? He was right. I don't know. You know, I was watching the film and listen, like, I couldn't really tell. Ta- Nothing really happens, first and no. foremost. Like, you'll talk about the plot, I guess, but it's like it's just a bunch of people that all lived at the Chelsea Hotel. There are some there's some nice stuff in this. And I and I hate to, like, damn this with faint praise. But, like, I do get the impression that, you know, Ethan Hawke and the actors involved are all, you know, uh passionate actors, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and you could, you really got the sense that they wanted to show up for him, that they wanted to do something interesting, that they were excited about exploring the material. Um, you know, Ethan was obviously very excited to be working with, you know, Chris Christopherson and with, you know, his best friends, Robert Sean Leonard and uh, Steve, fucking Zahn. Steve Zahn. exactly. Um, it's just it's just very hard to really connect with it. And this is one of those things where like, we talked a little bit on tape about plays as movies and there is something about, and this is going to sound maybe more dramatic than it should, but when you're held captive in the theater with a piece of material and you, there's no way to look away, right? I mean, outside of either leaving said theater or falling asleep or what have you, Mm. you need to, combat the thing that's in front of you right there are real people in front of you acting out these emotions and the theatricality of the situation can can lead itself to a more exciting situation but then when you film it and you lose that and that that electricity of a person
1: in front of you acting out these scenes you're left with something that can feel very flat
2: yeah I literally
1: texted Kevin and Bride in the exact same thing where I was like, I can't imagine if this was as bad as it is on stage because you have to endure all of it. <laughs> like,
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I, my guess is it wasn't bad on stage.
1: I mean, my guess is that these
3: situations, again, you know, we, we, can, we can talk about how there are lines that, that, you know, fall like anvils. And I think part of that is the direction, but part of that is when you're writing a play and when you're writing a movie, it's a different animal. Right, it just is. Mm-hmm. You when you're sitting in a movie theater, I mean, it's one thing. When you're sitting in a in a theater theater, I went to see a whole bunch of plays on Broadway uh, earlier this year, and it's just it's it's a completely different animal, right? You're the rope you're willing to give a theatrical performance versus a movie performance is just drastically dissimilar. So it's just it's it's that's why like I was watching this movie today, just being like, I just feel bad for. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Because they're all being kind of hung out to yeah. die a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're not they're just not being given much really to like I don't think that there's any bad actors in this movie. I mean I, I think that no. um uh uh oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on her name? Rosaria Rosaria uh, Dawson, Dawson who's I think a great actor and and doesn't generally get a lot of great stuff to do. Um I, I think for reasons that seem kind of beyond me, she just seems to be, she lands in odd projects. Um, and again, like not given enough to do here. Um, it's just tough. It's just, it's a it's tough movie to watch. Cause you're just like, I want to care.
2: Boy, Addy, I, I want to, but I just can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. d- Great, great way to sum it up your initial thoughts because I, I have a feeling that everybody's just going to be like, yeah, what fills that? Yeah, what fills it? Yeah, what it? Yeah. it? <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. uh, premiered at Cannes, uh May 2001. Um, interesting. At South by Southwest, March 2002. So this movie online gets listed as a 2001 movie, but technically it went to, yeah, it went to theaters in 2002, mm-hmm. but opened to three theaters on April 19th, 2002, and it expanded up to... Six theaters, uh, nominated for Golden Camera at Con. Uh, budget once again is one hundred thousand dollars. Opening weekend ten thousand and a domestic gross of sixty thousand. And top five films that weekend is The Scorpion King, Changing Lanes, Murder by Numbers, Hell yeah, The Rookie, and Panic Room. Also Hell yeah, but uh, that that's a great one. Yeah. Well, yes, is, but yeah. does it have a monkey that assaults Sandra Bullock in it? No, it doesn't. Okay, that's Murder by what? Numbers. That happens in Murder by yes! Numbers. Yes. Yeah, a baboon, a uh, it's pen. a baboon, I believe. Yeah, yeah a baboon mm-hmm. in Chris Pine's house. Is it Chris Pine? Chris, Penn. Chris, Penn. Chris That the, would be weird. Only... Uh- <laughs>
1: I have never seen Murder by Numbers, and whenever I hear the title of it, all I can think of is that subplot in Six Feet Under where Ruth dumps up her boyfriend because he they go to the movies together, and he says, I'm going to Blade 2. You go to Murder by Numbers. <laughs> and, then, and then she's in Murder by Numbers and goes into Blade 2 and was like, I'm breaking up with you, and then <laughs>
2: leaves. <laughs> Why can't they go see both? Both are great uh, movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Six Feet Under. I miss Six Feet Under. Oh, me too. And at the same time, they're trying to revive it. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. The I don't day, miss don't it play. that they're much. Not gonna, they're not going to revive it. I'd be surprised. They...
3: Sure. I mean, I, I listen. I guess on its obviously anything is possible, um, and Lord knows HBO would love to have another Alan Ball show on their air. I imagine, but um, I don't see a world unless you're doing a prequel about Ruth and Nathaniel before they have kids or something. Sounds yeah. Like, yeah. Not it I know it's, it's, above. Yeah. Okay. it's also it just like they literally the show i mean spoiler for people who have not seen it, it like the show ends with them all dying like it's, it's <laughs> there's no more final an ending for a series mm-hmm. than the one that they had um exactly but yeah murder by numbers i feel like i saw but i couldn't tell you anything about it
2: so you don't remember it's ryan Gossin's red leather? oh man no i don't remember it's, not it's not good it's not good but it is fun um, wait, oh i forgot to do this in the last episode but number one song in the u.s this week was foolish by ashanti which kicks ass number one song in canada this week is a canadian group i've never heard of so maybe one of y'all can help uh moving on by the boom tang boys
0: i don't know
3: that i don't know <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for ta- That's, that that should tell you something you have two canadians on here and neither of us have heard of that band so
2: yeah and then for tape i forgot to do it but number one song in the u.s for tape was family affair by mary j blize great song and then mm-hmm. in canada completely by serial joe
0: don't know them don't know, know them. them. Don't what know them. the I fuck so wild sorry
3: um, yeah i mean i 2002 is a weird year because yeah. obviously what happened in september of 2001 had a pretty significant effect on the industry and the type of stuff that they were making. So like you had a bunch of stuff that was developed in the pipeline shot and then you were sort of like, uh, how do, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's a
1: weird year for
3: movies. Mm -hmm. I remember Spider-Man
1: came out in May May? and they had to like completely Mm -hmm. uh, film a separate sequence because they, uh, Green Goblin and Spidey were supposed to fight on the world trade center Wow. Well, there was also the teaser trailer teaser that trailer. had, the, that yeah. had the, yes. the web
3: in between the tra- World Trade Center. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah, it, it was. It was just also like, if I remember correctly, so 2002 is what, win, what wins the Oscar. That, that's uh, Chicago.
1: Chicago. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, which is just insane because there's like 2002 also gave us Minority Report and Catch mm-hmm. Me If You Can, mm-hmm. and neither of which mm-hmm. get basically any Oscar nominations um and instead we get 25th hour 25th hour we get like fucking the pianist like it's just it it was just and like the hours i know there are hours stands out there but like whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know it's in gangs of new york it's just a weird year it's just a year where you kind of get the sense that like no one really knows what's next I, oh, will,
1: yeah. I will go to bat, though, and say Chicago is a better movie than A Beautiful Mind, which won Picture and Director, and the directors that year that were nominated were, like, David Lynch for Mulholland Drive, Robert Altman for Gosford Park, Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down, and Peter Jackson for Fellowship of the Ring, which is, like, <laughs> Ron Ooh, Howard! No, like, the best Bachelor of Master all of those! For nope. Rouge,
3: which is nope. Insane. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, one of the most, uh, one of the most indelible oscar moments for me was uh david lynch getting up from his chair to put his arm around robert altman as ron howard accepts his academy award (laughs) where you're just like (laughs) something is off something is amiss here um that being said i would gladly have given the academy award to ron howard uh, a few years previous for apollo 13 and save us all the pain of a beautiful mind but um but yeah i it this is this is just one of those years where like it's funny because you talk about how you were saying uh Kevin, about uh so chelsea walls premieres a can um in may of 2001 yes and then sits on a shelf for basically a, a year, year yeah um and then gets released in a total of six theaters uh-huh. um you know this is this is one of those things um that you can point to and say that maybe it's a good thing about the streaming world that we live in today right like There's a part of me that feels like a movie like this, which again, I'm not writing for Chelsea Walls, but I I will say that like a hundred thousand dollar movie, that's a small intimate piece about, I don't know, Mm -hmm. fucking love and anything, anything you want it to be about, it's about, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like, this is such a primo thing that should just go straight to a streaming service. You would have made your money back. You didn't have to pay for marketing. You'd have to pay for making 35 millimeter prints and sending it, like, it's just like it's and and I know that it's all changed and I'm not sitting here saying that, that, that I'm against the theatrical experience. I'm not, but I do think that like movies like this fit into, into spaces now that they didn't back then and have opportunities I think to hit more
0: people.
2: Oh yeah, totally. And in the, in the commentary, which is all Ethan Hawke, which is 1000% you're just like oh well is he really like that or is this just the source material no it's yeah. him um, he's pretty much saying like yeah I just wanted to do this so I could learn about making movies and you're just like yeah I can see yeah. that like this feels like a Tribeca ass movie where it's just like this actor wants to be a director and it's just like maybe not I don't know Um, but and it's like
0: do we have to watch it do we have to watch your
2: tribe <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean we which... don't have to but this podcast forced us to but you know yes, yeah. yes unfortunately and yeah. he
1: didn't <laughs> get <laughs> I mean, as we mentioned, I mean, the actors, I mean, Chris Christopherson, Tuesday Weld, uh, Natasha Richardson, Rosario Dawson. Uh,
2: Kevin like, Corrigan. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. Like, love love yeah, Corrigan. I, know, all but... really,
1: I mean, they're all
3: trying. They all showed yeah. up. Like, And I, I say that, in, I'm being serious. Like, they're trying. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, of okay. course they are. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's... Well, well uh... I'll... I'll, I'll bite my tongue until we get to initial thoughts.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick. Yeah. Directed by Ethan Hawkes, his first directed film after this, The Hottest State in 2006, also with Mark Webber, uh, Blaze in 2018. And like Phil was talking about, The Last Movie Stars this year, written by Nicole Burdett, adapted mm-hmm. from her play. She also co-wrote a movie called Maze in 2000, star Lori Lenny. Besides that, she's mostly stuck with plays and some acting, like she plays Barbara Soprano on a few episodes of The Sopranos and oh, starring okay. way too many fucking people um the funny the funny thing about listening to both the tape and the uh, the chelsea walls commentary is that everybody calls robert sean leonard bob leonard and i don't know why it just made me laugh um <sighs> but yeah chris christopherson vincent d'onofrio Uma thurman and many many more uh trivia from the commentary which was like i said just terrible uh shot in 18 days hawk said he wanted to make the movie to be a collage and thought of it more as a double album.
3: Oh. i mean it's very impressionistic
2: yeah. i mean
3: yeah I, I don't say that in a shitty way but it is i mean he's just—he's yeah. sort of doing what he wants to do
2: and it was like you know when you're making a double album i had to get the best person that was making music at the time so i got jeff Tweedy, and i was just like sir hold on um but i like Gen- uh, what
3: are you shitting on wilco now too oh yeah you- fucking new metal nonsense yes
0: yeah wait you're
1: shitting on wilco yeah i will
0: so i didn't know it was wilco until i saw the end credits i the thing is i think i'd maybe like the music if it was soundtracking literally any other movie as is it just makes it like because it's really like it is kind of an abrasive sounding score like when it's just like these grinding guitars and like pounding drums and everything i'm I can like that sort of, like, intense atmosphere of music and everything, but when I'm soundtracking just, like, these, like, inane rantings that are going on, like, Mm -hmm. in the elevator, I'm just, like, I I feel like I'm being assaulted on the eyes, the ears, like, like, my mind, and just, like, because, like, there's nothing, no substance here. I just felt like it was kind of, like, terrible, like, altogether. But, like, if it was in another movie where the material was worthier, I would maybe be more into it
1: the score is one of the few things that actually made me feel something watching this movie, but I'm also, I love Wilco. I'm a sucker for indie rock. I like Jeff Tweedy. So there you go. <laughs> like there's even, there's, um, uh, a Wilco lyric that is written on the wall.
2: The asterisk um, says you've, been, yeah. up asterisk night says or you've been up
3: all night. Yeah. Um, which is a great song and a great lyric. I mean, listen, it's no limp biscuit, but let me tell you, it's not, <laughs>
2: um, it's if not. I could talk to Jeff Tweedy, I'd be like, have you ever heard of drums, put them in your music anyways. Anyway, um... <laughs> I just I
3: I think that the truth is like this is a fucking emo movie with a capital E, so it makes sense that he would go to a lyricist 100%. whose music wears his heart of his sleeve. Like that, that's that's not
2: a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um another quick bit is Hawk says this with it just sh- completely serious. And he was like, it's a movie where it's all about trying to make these stories fit together, but even though they don't, you know, they're so close together yet so far away. I almost threw my phone out the window. Um yeah, I don't even and, know what that means. That sounds interesting, I guess. It yeah, it's just anything. like, everybody's living together and they should be a community but they're so far apart, you know?
0: That sounds sure. like something that his character in this movie would dunk on because like, in the, at one point, Uma Thurman's like talking about like, oh, the romanticism of like the Chelsea Hotel and then like, he says like, what are you, asleep over there? Come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> just, like, like, he's supposed to be an asshole and I'm like, yeah, like, no one's saying anything of note here it's like it totally yeah makes
2: sense yeah. um if, so many times in the commentary he talks about how people have knocked the movie for being indulgent which yeah um <laughs> yeah he also he also <laughs> said the first cut was three and a half hours so he was like if people thought i was an indulgent <laughs> oh, then uh it could have been a lot worse and I was like well thanks I don't know um the song the <laughs> it doesn't Jimmy's... matter how
1: long this movie no, okay this movie could have been a short film and it would have been indulgent i mean <laughs> it doesn't (laughs) length doesn't matter when it comes to i mean it does matter thank god it wasn't the three and a half hour cut but it's still like no amount of shortening this thing would have been (laughs) unless it was one second as if that would ever happen but yeah
2: oh yeah um hawk wanted to call the movie chelsea wall's Asterix, and then at the bottom of the poster would say Asterix or the insufferable hunger of the damned fuck gosh (laughs) (laughs) and he was not kidding in the commentary when he said that so (sighs) we clearly
1: didn't get that the fact that these people are starving because it's not like they say that out loud to a a certain character multiple times Yeah.
2: well and he says that during the scene where uh, I forget her name that she's talking to that other person and they say it like four or five times the insufferable hunger of the damned and I was just like yeah just make that the title just beat it on the audience over the head uh, and lastly, the assistant director thought of the Humpty Dumpty line that Chris Cardolph in- ends the film with. You should have fired the fuck out of your DAD <laughs> after that. That line is rough. I think that was the it's most just... that I had trouble God. with.
3: There's so many bad lines in this. I mean, at a certain point, I just started to basically be like, well, okay, so this writer didn't so much adapt her play mm-hmm. as reformat it and put it in final draft, it seems mm-hmm. Oh yeah. like it. And, and I know that that's a, a shitty thing to say, but like you, you, you have to, it, it can't just be a one-to-one. Like you have to think it's a different medium.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
3: unless you're Glengarry Gary, Glenn Ross and you have, and listen, I mean, I have my issues with David Mamet right now, but his uh-huh. Trump his Trump nonsense aside. I do think that like that play is a fucking masterpiece. You've got like some of the best actors oh, yeah. of their, you know, you just turn a camera on and say say the lines. Like it works. You, you can't do that with this. This is just it's it's on top of the fact that it's it just looks like such shit. Anyway. I know. And I, yeah. I do
2: I do love D V movies, but he's not doing anything interesting with it. Um, okay,
0: except like saturating the colors. Like oh, uh, you should you I forgot like...
2: I forgot. Hold on, hold on. While well, you mentioned the colors, he said in the commentary he want he wanted everybody hold on, I got it right. No, I don't actually. Um, (laughs) Right here is he said he wanted um, every decade to have a different color. So Chris Christopherson's uh, whole thing is just like desaturated. Uma Thurman and uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, they're supposed to be in the 70s. Rosario Dawson is supposed to be in the 80s. And Bob Leonard and uh, uh, Steve Zahn is supposed to be in the 90s.
0: Wait. The whole movie is taking place in different timelines. I literally no. like. They I did no not convey. No no no, conv- no, 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 all. no, 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 no. No, no.
2: It's it's supposed to be like you know, in, in Uma Thurman's room, it's supposed to be like the seventies and whatnot, and then and Robert Sean Leonard and you Steve Zahn is that. supposed to be in the nineties. I missed that. No. I
0: mean, there's like maybe like I guess it works with like maybe emotional temperature, where it's just like the sad, the melancholy of like the Rosario Dawson Mark Weber marriage, where it's like just all blue, like every scene is just blue, but uh-huh. like. It, like doesn't, it just, like, gets, like, one note after a certain point where it's, like, yeah, it's just the one color. I don't find this interesting to look at. And, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, like, tape. I mean, like, that's, like, you know... All, that movie does, like, have sort of, like, an ugly quality, but I do feel like there is, like, an intentionality to, like, its ugliness and, you know, up-closeness and everything. But, like, I feel like there, there's, like, a, there's, like, germane cinematic choices being made here in, in that film. But here it's just, like, I don't know, they'll, like, have, like, the... They'll like have um, Chris Christopherson like super slow down and then just like hard cut like an anvil to like some guy just wailing in a jazz club and it's that just was like, the worst. It's just like agony. <laughs> it's
3: like
1: yeah. it's, also, I don't,
0: there's, there's no rhythm to it. I feel bad because like
3: this is such. I I made a short film uh, in between my first and second year of film school that was literally It was called Paper Walls. It was literally about three different hotel rooms, and like it's such a fucking pedestrian, obvious thing uh-huh. to write. You know yeah. what I mean? It's such a like what's a what's a cheap easy thing to do, but it's so reliant on dialogue, it's so reliant on having just just unbelievably three-dimensional characters with unbelievable performances. Like you're just you're setting yourself up to fail if you can't knock this out of the park.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, the yeah. movie I thought of was one that we had talked about in our last miniseries, uh, "The Center of the World," which is yes. also like shot on TV and mostly takes place in like a hotel room. And like that's a movie where like again, yeah, Molly Parker, yes, yeah, yes. and Pierce Arsgard. yeah, and like that's a movie where like you think yeah. about like if it's again, it's very dialogue based, but it's like if these actors don't like connect, it like the movie falls apart. And yeah. they, they connect, and the, that movie has its problems, like you know, which yeah, are mostly narrative-y. mostly good, yeah, yeah. But like it, it works because their chemistry is like there, and I feel like. There is like I mean it's Wayne Wan who's like a pretty like experienced and you know he's like 20 years into his career so like he knows how to like move the camera and like mm-hmm, cut things mm-hmm. together so he knows how to make the, the conversation seem dynamic uh, but yeah like you know Chelsea Wells is like the inverse of that where it's like what happens when like your actors don't really have the right chemistry and like they're not, re- they're all not really bringing the energy sure. it's just and the, the film just like doesn't work compellingly as like on a visual level
2: Yeah,
3: but, I'll say this too like on the visuals It's hard not to, like, think about when it comes to, like, DV and the transition from, like, where we were in the late 90s, early 2000s, when, like, it was straight up DV Mm -hmm. to, like, that mid-2000s when, like, people like Michael Mann were really pushing digital Mm -hmm. as far as it could go. And he loved that, like, I mean, look at Miami Vice, right? Like, Miami Vice is the best you could ask for in that time period. And then we obviously cross a Rubicon and now like you can barely tell the difference between digital and film. I think most people will be hard pressed. Most people will be hard pressed. Yes, yes, yes. You put them next to each other. Um, this is all to say that like this film falls smack dab in that period where like, if you want to be impressionistic about it and you want to kind of play with the, the the blotches and the kind of this like messiness and what have you, you got to go the route of tape. Like tape at least has like, you can tell that there's real framing devices going on. Like yes. one of the shots that I'll always remember in tape is at the end when he's flushing all the weed down the, down the toilet. And there's that extreme close up right in the bowl of the toilet of all the like balls of weed.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
3: just like, it's a, and it looks just grainy as fuck and it's gross. And it's mm-hmm. just
1: like, mm-hmm. you got to embrace the, the the texture of digital. Otherwise there's no point. Yes. Well I noticed yeah. in the opening credits it was uh it opens with a quote, an under the influence film, which made me think, Okay, Hawk's gonna try and be Cassavetes in his first try. And yeah. it did 100%. make me think about that with how even you watch a Cassavetes film today and like I remember the first time I watched Woman Under the Influence just being like, Oh, is this all improved? And it's like, No, he always knows where to place the camera and where to compose, you know, certain mm-hmm. people, even in claustrophobic tight shots, but this felt like Ethan Hawke filmed it almost in an improvis- improvisational way. I don't want to say that he did. I don't know if he did or not, but it definitely felt like the, like, oh, I can be loose like that where it's just like, well, the beauty of Cassavetes is that it feels loose, but it's all highly controlled.
3: Well, that's also the beauty of Linklater as well. You know yes. what I mean? Like exactly. And and exactly. I think that he's looking at Linklater and he's saying to himself, yeah, I could do this, right? And again, yeah. like, this is the thing about, I would even say... It's, <laughs> The problem that Linklater has, which is that his stuff is deceptively simple. Yes. Right? Like, there's something yeah. very sort of like, and even he trips up from time to time where he's like, yeah, hey, I can do this. And then it's like, no, I can't. Um, and I think that Ethan Hawke spent a lot of time around Richard Linklater, making a lot of films with him, and didn't really know sort of how to do the things that Linklater knows how to do.
1: I, yeah, I yeah, did yeah. think about if Linklater, like, if he did call Linklater up and was like, hey, check out my For film, sure. and, like, what Linklater m- would have said to him. Because I'm well, sure... Well, Linklater said the movie. He's in it. He's one of the yeah, the Did the car. Yeah. But I keep did, yeah, see, so I keep forgetting that. See, the, oh, yeah. I was watching this movie forgetting certain people were in it where, I like, Natasha Richardson comes back after an hour, and I'm like, oh, right, yeah. she started the movie off. Like, whoops, okay. So, yeah. my, my guess is that, you
3: know... I'm sure Ethan Hawke never asked for Linklater's opinion on set, but like, you have to wonder whether or not Linklater's sitting there thinking like, well, I wouldn't do it this way. But I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's his film.
2: Well, yeah, it's the thing of tape and Chelsea Walls is that is going out of his way to not make tape uh, in just initially boring to look at because it's all set in one location it's going to get boring but he knows how to do different types of shots and all this type of stuff where you never really get bored of seeing the same exact four walls and in this one there's just nothing being done where it feels at all if there wasn't any color i would think that they were all in the same place that it's just really lazy
1: yeah
3: it's uh it's yeah not
1: good yeah, and you mentioned the whip pans and tape, which is something I specifically thought about the second time watching it, and how that does keep the dynamic and the energy up of the the conflict and the in the conversation that they're having. And here it's just like, it feels like point and shoot. It really doesn't feel like...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, it, yeah, I agree with you, Phil. It, it also makes me feel bad because this is so clearly sincere and so clearly... Uh, Something that Ethan Hawke—it feels like Ethan Hawke's pouring his heart out, and it just doesn't.
0: Um, I, I was curious because, I mean, Hawke's like subsequent movies have gotten like better critical reviews. Oh yeah, have any Have any of you seen any of his like follow up films? No, I'm no, I haven't. I, I, I have
3: honestly, been watching the doc, the recent oh, okay. documentary, which is really good. Improved, I guess. Yeah, that's that's nice. It I was... mean, but it's also like you know, doing a documentary is very different than doing a narrative film. He, the short answer is yes. I do think he's evolved as a filmmaker. I do think that like he's learned some stuff along the way. You know, I don't know what it says that probably my favorite thing he's ever directed is the music video for Lisa Loeb's "Stay," but oh I hell mean, yeah,
2: of course, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, great.
3: Uh, it's a banger, guys. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um,
2: sure. Let's get into initial thoughts real quick. Uh, the good thing is we don't have much plot to get into, so there's that. Um, there's uh, no th- plot. Well, no, no, not at all. Uh, Rosario Dawson's boyfriend says once in the movie, like, "How do you live like this?" And that's pretty much how I felt like the whole movie. Um, <laughs> I I told you on the I told you on the group chat this feels like a, a parody of like early two thousand indie movies, and yeah, so many characters going through like existential crisis, and I'm surprised that every character didn't say at like one point, like, "I know I'm good at something, but just haven't found out what like." I'm very surprised by that. Uh, like we mentioned, the music is just really grating. It, it's just, it's just, it's not even the music quality, it's just how it's used. Um, it's just mm-hmm. used very annoyingly. We talked about the Chris Christopherson intercut with the guy singing. And yeah, I, I it's obvious that Hawk was drawn to this because of the music aspect, because then he went on to do Blaze, and also his movie before that is also about a musician and whatnot, but just hasn't quite known how to put music in a movie quite yet um while of course like i love movies shot on digital video this is just used in the most boring and plain way possible it made me appreciate the cinematography of you know center of the world and chuck and buck more knowing that that dv could be used in a way that's like impressive and innovative you know used for a purpose not just to use it because it's cheap also not to mention like like we were saying the dialogue is either just saying things that are happening in the most boring ways possible or there's just poems being said over voiceover for like five minutes straight. Yeah. Literally there's a line where Rosario Dawson says, like when you say I love you, I want to I want to believe you mean me and not just New York City.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: yeah. It'll be like they'll be saying something
0: very banal but then just like mixing up the words so to make it sound like the Frank Whaley line where he's like saying uh four in the morning other other night finish my vodka the bottle that is in other words i'm referring to the bottle and i'm oh, like, shit. like oh my
2: god um yeah to finish off Bug. like i i really fucking hated this and this was a slog and <laughs> no one comes out looking good they're doing their best like phil was saying but it all just feels like auditions for a high school play honestly like like not since like yeah, we it's, watched it's ringmaster very, it's very
3: least. film school like yes. you, you def, you're watching it and you're just like yeah i had a lot of these notions in film school and i you know uh, yeah i get it i really do i understand why like he thinks that these are original i get uh-huh. it they're just not but, yeah
2: you know. yeah he says in the commentary like mostly to kind of combat the people that say it's indulgent it's just like i don't know there's just really interesting to me and i'm just really drawn to the the type of people that you know are just not in the place where they want to be you know it's just like sure but you could do it a little interesting that's all i'm saying um <laughs> i'll
3: uh, say this it, it you know we talked about this a little bit on tape and 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 i i as a writer really do respect when someone decides to make something that for all intents and purposes doesn't adhere to the narrative structures that we uh of course, of mm-hmm. expect Right, and of I think course. that that's bold and adventurous and i and I'm all for um people wanting to run with the art form like that's mm-hmm. really exciting i mean it should be exciting um and again, on paper, you know maybe he just had i just i just think he got over his skis i think he just there just wasn't that much there there the 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 play that this is based on isn't isn't all that compelling and and um, doesn't adapt well to the screen, so he was really, you know, he was behind the eight ball before it even started.
2: Yeah, I uh, I rewatched Slacker last night, um, mm-hmm. which Good is movie. a movie. When I first watched it, I really didn't like it, and this time I, I I did like it for the most part. It does kind of suffer from the. I wish I had something to grab on here, but it's still pretty fascinating for the most part. And then I feel like it's this a first is movie. Yeah. yeah, I feel like this is Ethan Hawke trying to make Slacker. <laughs> yeah sure yeah. yeah no
3: it's it's him trying
1: yeah, to absolutely. yeah
3: i think he also just my guess is he was like i'm not going to try to do fucking titanic right out of the gate i'm going to try to do something small i'm going to try to do something intimate something where i can really direct the actors something mm-hmm. that's you know he's a big theater guy like i i understand all the 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 pulls towards this material but as we've said not to, to keep belaboring the point but as we've all sort of said like if you can't find a way to dial that up and to get me really physically involved with these people, it's just a bunch of talking faces. It's just, it's behind blotchy, Mm -hmm. shitty digital footage. Like it's just, there's just, it's so really hard to like, hard to do.
2: Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I, before, before, briden and charlie i'll let you get your initial thoughts uh we can sum up the plot so easily is that that uh, rosario dawson and her you said husband i thought it was just boyfriend i'm i'm not sure um that but sure he, he keeps coming and going he's like oh, i'm staying this time no i'm not okay i'm going that's pretty much it um and then chris christopherson and oh god what's tuesday world tuesday world yeah they're having a whole yeah. thing he used to be Great an alcoholic. actress yeah she hasn't been in anything i Think since this movie, which is wild. Um, it's great and thief. Oh, oh yeah. In oh, thief. yeah. Um, but his entire thing is just, uh, I don't drink, and then he starts drinking. That's pretty much the end. Uh, Uma Thurman just keeps getting hit on by everybody in the hotel. That's her entire arc. Um, in a
1: terrible wig. Yeah. <laughs> her, that was the most upsetting character for me. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Yeah. Um, goodness who else oh yeah and the the steve's on and robert sean leonard kind of feels like the most overarching one even though it's the most boring uh... I guess
3: i'm still not entirely clear like what happens and why he dies
2: oh yeah and i don't it's
0: not
2: it's
1: unclear yeah
2: Yeah. it's
0: completely unclear
2: (laughs) well yeah what's
1: worse uh, is
0: that i didn't care but well yeah i mean not to be like glib about it because like obviously that's a terrible thing whenever that happens to someone but like yeah the movie doesn't he has, no one feels like a real person in this. It all just feels nope. like kind of a collection of like writerly like nope. ad, like sort of sayings.
2: And, yeah, and yeah. Hawk said in the commentary, like, I really wanted the end to be like ambiguous, and who is it who dies, and you don't really know. I was like, it's pretty obvious it's Leonard, but sure, man. Um, as the cops yeah. say at the start. Say whatever you need to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, another terrible line is the start when the cops show up and they're just like, is it a suicide or an overdose? And the other cop goes, all all suicides or overdoses or all overdoses are suicides and I was like okay dude, just like the uh, kind
0: of thing you'd imagine like just yeah. sort of, like doing a blunt
1: rip afterwards like <laughs> just go you, think about the yeah. yeah. you ever think about that yeah man um, there's a di- uh, yeah like a cop would even say that too like at the time like just showing up to a crime scene like that like there's a difference between like someone like in the movie Ambulance that Michael Bay made where it's like, who's been shot? Where it's just like, of course, it's Michael Bay universe. But like in an intimate drama like this, it's like no cop talks like that. Like, you know? Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, And then after I finished the movie, um, on the DVD, there was the trailer for it. And the trailer made me hate it more. It's because like, (laughs) it's like the two hours of it got condensed to two minutes. And then I was just remembering everything that was terrible. Like they highlighted chris christopherson at the end which the end scene is like the worst part of this entire movie is him like his publisher or agent or something comes over and he's just like screaming he's like i will not have you patronize me no i will not and i was like boy i got a baby yeah oh my god it's so terrible um but yeah i keep going on but uh charlie initial thoughts
1: Yeah, I mean, we've covered the bases. I mean, like like, 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 like Phil, okay, okay, but like Phil, it made me feel bad because we've covered a lot of bad movies for this podcast, but when I've hated something, it's genuinely like, okay, this is either just garbage that was made to make money through a studio system, or it's just morally reprehensible. And this just made me feel bad because I love Ethan Hawke, and he's been very open about Certain risks he's taken and failures that have weighed on him and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how he feels about this movie, but yeah, it clearly is like nobody was making this movie to make money. It's like Ethan Hawke clearly felt passionate about this material and they wanted to make something that would move people. And they knew making this thing that not many people would see it, that it would cost like $5. And like. Uh, but yeah uh, mirroring what everybody has said I mean nobody talks like a real person it's just a bunch of uh, conversations that feel stilted and contrived I mean there's one moment where they're making a to- uh, where Chris Christopherson and Tuesday Weld are making a toast and Tuesday Weld says here's to everyone thinking that they know everything and they don't know anything at all and I was just like okay I got that. Cool. And now the, <laughs> Hell yeah. The, uh, that's just what the rest of the movie's going to be. It's and... just the movie has
3: nothing to the the, over, the overarching theme of the
1: film is uh no one
3: understands anything about life um and then you die. And and that's just a, yeah. I mean, sure, I guess, but like what am I supposed to take away from this movie? What am I supposed to be feeling yeah. about any of these characters?
1: Yeah. Anyway. And it it especially made me feel bad because I actually personally get really annoyed when someone writes something off as pretentious because i love so much pretentious art that's done well where i'm just i kind of feel like to use that word is a bit of a cop-out to say with with the way that most people use it is sure this movie thinks it's smarter than me and i know i'm smart and fuck you movie for thinking that where i don't just the way people use that word feels wrong and inaccurate yes. to me at times. I love so many "quote unquote" pretentious movies or pretentious artists. I mean, and that and I love that they are pretentious, but this, this is
2: some pretentious. But this shit. is what made me <laughs> mad
1: wasn't that it was pretentious, but it that it made me feel bad because it wasn't working for me, and it is it does have that air of just self-importance when it isn't as the tuesday world said it's not saying anything at all and just so many like all of these deep things that these people are f- thinking and feeling i mean i don't even need the poetry to be good but at least but the movie clearly thinks it is oh and there's God, just lines does. there's one the the one time i actually like burst out loud laughing Hell yeah is a montage in which Rosario Dawson and Mark Weber are reading poetry and it, uh-huh. it keeps cutting back to Mark Weber reading it and Rosario Dawson says I want water up to our waists, and I want to be drenched by the rain up to our ankles with holes in our shoes and it cuts back to Mark Weber going holes in our shoes and I was just like first of all this is terrible second of all who the fuck who wants, wants to be <laughs> who the fuck wants to be up to your ankles with water and holes in your shoes that's the worst feeling in the world <laughs> like I, 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 I do I, get it's very high school drama You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's and and listen like
3: I don't know it could have worked.
1: Yeah, but like, but the movie is so clearly asking you to empathize with all of these people who don't have personalities because they all sound exactly the same. They all have that same voice. It's monotonous, you know. You get to the end of the movie and you're like, "Well, I don't know anything because these were all the same character and nothing has happened." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what the takeaway is supposed to be. You know, Rosario Dawson sounds exactly like Chris Christopherson, who sounds exactly like <laughs> Natasha Richardson, who sounds exactly like Uma Thurman, <laughs> and that should not be the case. These are all very different, multi-talented actors who should all be
2: well,
1: this uh, is you know this, having this is what different you were saying voices. about
2: dogma. Right, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, well, that is dogma. it is
1: exactly it is actually the same thing as I was saying about dogma. Is they are all where dogma they all sound like Kevin Smith here? They all sound like um uh Nicole uh Burdett and um Ethan Hawke. I mean, it, it just there's no because I love and you know, I know Kevin, I was thinking the exact same thing where I love slacker because I i love just. The slice of life where, you know, nothing really happens in that movie, but it feels alive. It feels Mm -hmm. like completely, it feels completely rich with just, you know, what could happen if you were just to stumble upon these things in the city of Austin in a single day. And, um, And while some of them are a little more heightened than others, I believe it. Here, it's just, it's also just so... It, the the level of sadness and just melancholy with everyone is struggling in in contrived ways that just suck. I mean, we mentioned the Uma Thurman character. You mentioned it spe- specifically, Kevin, that she's getting hit on by all these people, and then she has this piece of shit boyfriend. Who I'm just like, why is she even with even in a slice of like movie like this? It's like, why is she with this person? But also, I know exactly that the movie's doing that to make you ask that. And yeah. and then even stuff like like the Chris Christopherson character just being like, Oh, I'm don't worry about me. I'm not a mean drunk, where it's like, well, like, okay, but like why would Uma Thurman even put up with this because the movie's so in love with Chris Christofferson's own misery? Where if mm-hmm. I'm sorry, if any any man, even if you know them, just kind of comes into your house at night and says, Can I just use the bathroom? and then just sticks around while she's like, I really need to get some sleep. You're clearly drunk, and she's like <laughs> Uh, and he's like, I- I'm not mean, I promise, where I'm just like, uh, red flags ablaze. But also, this movie doesn't even think about like the reality of that situation. It just is so in love with Chris Christopherson's wounded puppy dog, I'm a sad alcoholic writer bullshit that every other character has in this movie that it just completely took me out of it to even buy any of this as genuine, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though that's what it's aiming for. It's not meant to be... It feels so artificial when it's clear that it's so coming from a pure place which is what made it so upsetting to slog slog through and then half of the rest of the movie is just dull and I just I again I kept forgetting certain people Vincent D'Onofrio shows up and I'm like oh yeah you're you're in this movie right
2: mm-hmm. he's a painter All right yeah
1: yeah completely uh. <laughs> forgot about you like yeah
2: he can't be bothered he's a yeah. painter
1: and, and again it's just the monotony of it all just yeah, uh, just a very it was a depressing experience, uh, because it's so
2: for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: it, it, yeah. I'm done.
2: Uh, <laughs> Bryden, quick initial thoughts.
1: Yeah,
0: um, I, this was terrible. Like, I, I'm sorry. There's no, <laughs> there's no nice way to put it. it, it, it this movie just like, I, I, I it's terrible. Like, yeah, pretentious in the sense that it's like, it's reaching. It, there's nothing wrong with, like, reaching for some sort of, like, profundity or, like, you know, trying to stretch yourself artistically. Uh And, like, I, you know, I guess Hawk is trying here, you know, with, like, you know, when he, like, does, like, the slowed, sort of, like, pixelated, like, frame shots of, like, you know, when, like, it's, you know, Robert John Leonard and Steve Zahn, like, drunkenly driving around in their car or, like, you know, smash, you know, cutting between, like, a jazz, the fury of a jazz performance and, like, Chris Christopherson, like, drunkenly ranting in his house. Uh But, like, there's just no real... There, there. nothing important nothing of any weight is being said here and i don't think like it's expressed interestingly you know in terms of like theme or character i mean it's the kind of thing where like you know frank whaley will get like a shot where he's like lingering in the background of a club like lighting a cigarette and like it's while like another band is performing it's meant to be like it's framed like it's like this, this significant thing but he doesn't Again, like, he doesn't feel like a real character. Like, I don't know who, why that's supposed to be significant for him to have that kind of shot in the movie. A, a better movie would would make that work. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where I just feel like I, it's, I think basically every actor in this movie has given a performance that I have liked in an, any other work. And, and like, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, occasionally they break through their material. Like, at one point like Dawson like it's just like like it'll be just like individual performance beats where, where Rosaria Dawson's like s- woken up from sleeping by Mark Weber calling on the phone and like she's sort of like <laughs> is, like half asleep and like but sort of like murmuring like oh I missed you and like she's like sort of smiling and it's like actually like kind of a nice moment but then like it's immediately torpedoed by like just like this stupid bullshit where she's just like I had a dream about Vietnamese soldiers okay breaking into my room and I'm just like fucking crikey and
2: then she goes <laughs> yes they were Vietnamese and I was like what no, no, that is the moment. She, she says Vietnam soldiers. Yes, they were Vietnamese. I was like, huh? What, yeah, what, what, that that is a mean? moment that made me shoot up out of my
1: gaze and was just like, what? <laughs> like this movie's not about the horrors of Vietnam or anything like that. But I was just like, yeah, that's true. The movies about everything, Charlie. But I was uh, just like, but why? The like, about everything. It, it, why?
0: Yeah, <laughs> because it, it doesn't know what it wants to be about. That's why. It just. It just. It's. I. It's
3: it's exhausting but the truth is that like that's just the, the playwright again like when you're in the theater and you can't show stuff you have to right. tell your audience things right and in movies that's not how it works because you can in theory with a budget be able to actually show right. things rather than just tell people things right this whole movie's that's and all also with so the theater it's
2: just like maybe some of the more pretentious corny parts, you would have been, like, swept up in the energy of it all to kind of excuse it, but with here, it's just... Being that there's literally just a screen to watch it on, it's just so you're just so cut away from the performances even if they were trying to, you know, linger on to you. So, yeah, it probably definitely works more as a play. But The only
0: performance that really has any kind of energy is, honestly, it's Ethan Hawke. Like, and even though yeah. he's like over the <laughs> phone. it's just I mean, most of the kids he's just screaming over the phone and everything where he's like, why, I can't hear you over the fucking plane or whatever. Like, it's, like, and that's, I mean, he's supposed to be, like, an insufferable character and, like, he's, like, caught up in his own, like, self-absorbed bullshit and everything, but it's, like, I guess he's an asshole because he doesn't care about everyone else or anything. He's like more upfront about it, but it's like he's like at least kind of funny in the movie. But like everything, like everyone else is just like in the same like mopey register, and it's just like it, it really becomes
1: monotonous. It, after they all point. sound like they're on downers, which maybe they are, but like it really does sound like they're all drugged on something, which I get. Yeah. Christopherson is an alcoholic, so that makes sense. But everybody else is in that mode. Like I don't mm-hmm. see them, you know. Like yeah. And, and again, like, the whole movie being about people who are, like,
0: all lonely and struggling to connect, even though they're all in the same building and vaguely connected and dealing with their sadness, like, that is, like, a, that could be a compelling idea for a movie, but, like, it is just, like, the way, it's, again, it's not what a is about, but how it's about it, and it's just, yeah. like, the dialogue and the performances and the filmmaking are just, like, dire on every single level, it's just, so it just makes it kind of insufferable to watch, but,
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you even think about, like, you just mentioned, Phil, about how the film is telling and not showing. I mean, is it just that, that even the Natasha Richardson stuff, where it's just that weird close-up of her face, where it is just her saying words? And I don't want to take away from the late Richardson's performance. I know she was trying, but it really isn't doing anything with the visual medium, where you think about, like... Even, uh, this is not something that seems entirely fair, but you even think about, like, silent films, about how they didn't use dialogue, it's all, like, I mean, even fucking Passion of Joan of Arc, it's, like, yeah, that most of that power comes from, like, just, you know, facial expressions, and here, it's, like, the visual look of it and the murkiness of it all just completely... Uh, does no service to the actors because it's too it's it's uh, it's too obsessed with its own half-assed grainy look that you can't even really get a specificity on like body language when it comes to how you know these people are trying to act out this inane dialogue like Yeah. yeah
2: yeah now phil i know you're upset that you can't cover this for podcasts like it's 2002 but i'm very glad you were able to come on for this
3: i'm i listen i'm thrilled that i got to to cover this film um and never think or talk about it again
2: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies will we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at KevBonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening.